Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. Well, welcome. So glad to see you again. Pastor Dwayne is ministering at Victory Life Church in Battle Creek, but he has left us in very good hands. And for those of you who haven't had the pleasure of hearing Dan Seaborn, he's one of our favorites to bring in, always brings a great word. We always enjoy him. Uh, Dan is the founder and runs an organization called Winning at Home, does tremendous work in the lives of uh, families and in marriages. Uh, so if you would, please stand and help me give a warm Res Life welcome to Dan Seaborn. That's nice of you. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be here today. Literally, as I was walking up here, just got a text from Pastor Dwayne saying, hey, Dan, thanks for being at Res. And I was thanking him back. And so what a privilege for me to get to preach here this morning. And I just, first of all, want to say thank you for that opportunity. Uh, let me also say I will not be doing a backflip to start out this message. And so I'm just going to kind of stay on both feet. I want to share a couple of things with you you have not seen on your local news and you have not seen on your national news. So this is kind of pre-sermon. Before I even preach, I need to tell you a couple of things. Uh, some of you prayed for a revival that we had at Hope College on the campus of Hope College uh, for four days, uh, four evenings in the month of May. Ken came and did worship and we had preachers from across the country come in and speak. And you just need to know, uh, many of you supported, prayed for that. And we had about 600 people pray to receive the Lord over those four nights. And so we give the Lord thanks and praise. And then that was kind of a local thing that I want to tell you, a national thing. Um, Last week, a buddy of mine, his name's Rob Futrell, uh, just like Pastor Dwayne and I are friends, Pastor Rob is a pastor in Madison, Mississippi, has a church there called Broadmoor Baptist Church, and I preached there last week, and I preached there because he called me a few weeks before that and said, Dan, I got a crazy opportunity, something has happened that I really want to be a part of. He said, um, you know, there's a revival going on, and you haven't heard about this. But there is a revival sweeping the country of South Korea. I mean, people are coming to know the Lord, not by the tens or hundreds, but by the thousands. And I mean, the country is turning its eyes toward the Lord crazy. I mean, crazy. And so Pastor Rob, who is a pastor here in the States, uh, is friends with some pastors over there. And they needed help. Uh, I'm about to show you a picture you're not going to believe. They needed help because in their military there at one of their bases, 5,000 men prayed to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they all wanted to be baptized at the same time. And so a bunch of American pastors flew over there to help with this. Look at this scene of these people being baptized. I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy. Those are all, those guys up on the top, they're all soldiers getting in the water. So I just want you to know, in case you didn't hear it on CNN, that the Lord is moving around the world. And I'm praying that he will move here this morning the same way. I'm going to tell you a story this morning about three Hebrew boys. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When I was growing up, I shared this on Wednesday night. My mom, in teaching me the names of those kids, I don't know how old it was, five, six, seven, she started trying to get me to learn, say, names like that. She said, okay, say, my shack, your shack, and a billy goat. That's how she started teaching me. I don't know why. But I've always been able to remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I'm going to tell you their story this morning. And after I tell you their story, I'm going to tell you how it applies to your life. The story is told in Daniel chapter 3. I'm not going to read it. 
I'm going to tell it. I might say something that you go, is that really in the Bible? Go and read Daniel chapter 3. On Wednesday night, I shared Daniel chapter 2. Today, I'm sharing Daniel chapter 3. And chapter 3 starts with King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and 9 feet wide and put it on the plains of Dura. That's the first sentence of Daniel chapter 3. And I want to explain it to you. In Daniel chapter 2 that we talked about Wednesday night, Daniel interpreted amazingly a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had had. Nebuchadnezzar didn't even tell him the dream. Daniel interpreted it because the Lord gave it to him and told him what the dream was. Amazing moment. And Nebuchadnezzar was like, Daniel, wow, that's awesome. I will serve your God and the whole world will serve your God. Because at that point, he was the king of Babylon, but he controlled the whole domain around him. And... In the middle of telling him about the dream, Daniel made this statement. He said, King Nebuchadnezzar, that dream you had, the reason uh, it's such an important dream and you had it is because you're an amazing king. You are powerful. You have, God has given you dominion over this part of the world that is amazing. And you, king, in your dream, you dreamed about a head of gold. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. Daniel said that to King Nebuchadnezzar. Well, that went to King Nebuchadnezzar's head. It went to his head. And so he decided to build a 90-foot statue made of gold in his honor. And I want you to see where he put it. He put it on the plains of Dura. This is what it looks like today. You can see why he put it there. Does it make sense? I mean, you put a 90-foot statue there out of gold in that sunlight with the sun glistening all of it. You can see it for a long way. If you were walking by there, you couldn't miss it. You'd say to your buddy, hey, check out the statue. I mean, you could see it. It's huge. In fact, the artist gave a little bit of a sample of what it would have looked like. Can you imagine? It would have been noticeable for a long way. And see, we don't get that. We look at that and we go, what are they doing? Why do they build something like that? Because if I said to you this morning, hey, guys, listen, a little bit of a surprise, but while we've been in here, we've erected a monument that looks like Pastor Dwayne out here on Ivanrest, and it's 90 feet high. And when you leave, can you stop in your car and just go, whoo-hoo, like that? You'd be like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to take the back way out. I'm not going over there because that would be stupid. But in this culture, this was normal. They worshiped golden idols. They worshiped things of brass. That, that was their culture. See, we don't do that anymore. We worship uh, other things. We worship our houses and our cars and our stuff and our this and our that. We, oh, people are people. And that's one of the things we learned from this story is people are people. No matter what year it happened, we act the same way. So King Kevin Nazareth, he built this thing and he got it all tall and got it all set. And then he said this, now on a certain day, we're going to blow the trumpets and we're going to blow the horns and we're going to sound all the different noises. And when that happens, everybody will worship this golden statue. He called together, and I'll put it in our day's terms, the mayors of the towns, the county officials, the governor of the state, the state legislature, the house, the Congress. He called them all together and said, Get everybody you know, everybody you have influence over, bring them. We're going to worship basically me. And so they all showed up. The trumpet was played, everything, they did their horns and everything else, and everyone bowed down and worshiped, except there were some boys, Hebrew boys, Jewish men who didn't do it. 
And some astrologers who were part of that group of everybody that worked said, King, did you not say that whenever the trumpet went off that everybody had to bow? Yes, I did. That's what I said. And did you say, signed it with your, you made that a law, right? That's a law. Well, there's some guys who didn't do that. These astrologers, we would call them tattletales. What is, what is that about us that likes to tattletale? At work, you got anybody at your workplace that kind of likes to tell on everybody when they... Do you know anybody in the church ever does that? Is there anybody in your family tattletale? Hey, we expect three-year-olds to tattletale, not 30-year-olds. But we do it. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, standing with his astrologers, who, by the way, Daniel had just, you guys need to get this, Daniel had saved these astrologers' life because King Nebuchadnezzar was going to kill them all, and Daniel interpreted the dream and saved their life. The very people Daniel saved now turned against him. It's our world, ladies and gentlemen. It's what people do. People are people. And King Nebuchadnezzar standing now with this astrologer being told there are people who aren't worshiping you. And he goes, who, who's not worshiping me? So, well, there's these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he said, bring them to me. Now, you need to know these boys, according to historians, were between the ages of 16 and 18. Some even say they were 13 to 15. Get in your mind about to be brought to the most powerful king, dominated the world at that point. This king has got some boys walking up to him. And they walk into the room with King Nebuchadnezzar and he says to them, guys, um, word got back to me, Tattletales told me that you guys didn't worship the other day when we did the big thing. I had all my buddies here and everybody came. And when we blew the horn, everybody worshiped. And I, I tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you boys a chance. What I'm going to do is when I, I'm going to have them, I get ready to blow it again. I'm going to have them sound the horns again. And if you guys will bow down and worship the golden statue in my honor, if you'll bow down and worship, I'm going to spare your life. And if you don't, I'm going to throw you in that furnace right over there that's burning for you. I, I, I'm just asking you because... We don't live in a culture that does this in our area. You've just seen ISIS do this to 19 young girls who refused to be sexual slaves for their soldiers. They put them in cages and they burned them. So it, I, I, I want you guys to know this stuff still happens in our world. Not around our culture, but it does there. And I want you, you young ladies who are in here, age 16 to 19, imagine if you were told I'm going to be put in a cage. If you don't do what I tell you. And this is exactly where Nebuchadnezzar has these three boys. They're young boys. He's older. He's more powerful. He can control them right now just like that. This would be an intimidating moment. But yourself, okay, you be the fourth standing there with these three boys. How would you handle it? Three boys are told, if you don't do what I say, you're going into this fiery furnace. Get the picture of this furnace. This one that we're talking about today, there were some that were just pits and they did this a lot to get molten. Obviously had to melt that gold to make those kind of statues. So they used these kind of pits a lot. And then it was pretty common that if the king wasn't happy with somebody, they would be burned alive, incinerated in those pits. And then they just get their ashes out, throw them away. 
This particular pit must have had a wall like this and this and then a little bit of a cage around it because we will see later that the boys are dropped in from the top. So you could actually view into this particular fiery pit that was designed for viewing. And so he says to them, I'll put you in there. And I want you, it's the only part of the passage I want to read because I don't want to mess it up at all. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to the king, y'all, put your, you're the fourth person. Let's say Shadrach is speaking for us, okay? You ain't Shadrach. You're not Abednego. You're, not, you're the fourth. You're standing there. Shadrach says, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves in this matter. Imagine he's speaking for you. Would you be on the end going, well, I'd like to say something. If we are thrown into your blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not save us, we will not serve your gods or worship your golden statue. I'm sorry. There's a part of me, if I was standing there and went, oh boy. I mean... You guys, you guys understand when he's saying that to the king, he is torquing that king. It would be like somebody coming to you and saying something and you just doubling down on them. And he said, I, 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 won't, I won't do it, neither will my two friends. In other words, we pre-made a decision that we serve the one true God and no matter what you do to us, we will not worship your false gods. And I want to tell you something, guys. Uh, I, I preached this sermon on Friday, walking in the rain. Uh, I left my house and I walked in the rain for a long time. Got soaked. Had a great time walking in the rain. Just praying, Lord, help me on Sunday morning somehow communicate this to the Res Life family and Saturday night as well. That God needs some Hebrew boys and girls in our world. Listen to me. God needs somebody who will stand up and say, there is a God in heaven. I, I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but in our society right now, we're looking for a man or a woman to become our president and save us. I just want to tell you something. No man, no woman ever will. The only Savior, the only one we need to put our hope fully in is God Almighty. And these three Hebrew boys reminded us of that. King Nebuchadnezzar, this is almost humorous. Read it right there. The next verse says, King Nebuchadnezzar's attitude toward them changed. No joke. I mean, he already was furious with them. And he got so angry that he yelled out a number. And y'all need to get this. It's not a big deal in our day. We know seven. We know it's God's number. We say that kind of stuff. But you don't get the significance. In that culture, when somebody said the number seven, they meant satisfied, fulfilled, all in. This is it. It was a big number. When King Nebuchadnezzar said, heat the furnace up seven times, he was saying, these boys have cooked my goose. They have boiled me inside. The only way I'll be satisfied is if you get that furnace to seven times times meaning I'm really ticked and we're going to burn them quickly and so he ordered seven times harder now you got you got to get that again we don't live in the day just the people who were doing the furnace knew that meant death for them but you're his slaves 
you do whatever the king says. If you don't do it, he throws you in there. And then he had his strongest, it says his strongest men tie up these boys in their Israelite Hebrew gear, which was a significant thing in scripture. It mentions the three different things they're wearing, signifying these are Hebrew boys, Israelite boys. And it's important to read this because he's saying, I'm going to burn you up and everything that you represent and everything. I keep their clothes on. I'm burning them up. Get them in the right. And it says he took them up. He didn't take them up. He hired his slaves to. His slaves took them up. When they dropped them into the opening, the fire was so hot that the men who dropped them into the opening died. Died. Guys, if we had been standing there in this moment, we would have been like, oh my, this is crazy. And we would be saying things to each other like, don't ever mess with this king. Hey, just make guys, guys, let's, if I can, if I can use an illustration of it, we watch right, I just told you a story about South Korea. This is what North Korea's leader is like right now. Just so you know, these type of leaders are not gone. They're still in our world today. And it's called people who have followed Satan and his path. It's why we need godly leaders. And so he dropped them in. Now, y'all got to hear this. Y'all know the story, right? Some of you have never heard the story. You're going, is this really a story? You should see the movie, Unreal. (laughs) But they drop them in, and they're in there. And Nebuchadnezzar can peer in and see them in there, obviously, at a great distance. You're not near these flames. And he can see and he notices in there, they're walking around. Now, come on, guys, be standing somewhere over here near and looking. And you know you see them walking. You're going, they're walking. Look, them freaks are walking around in there. That's what I'd be yelling, they're walking around. And you know, you're like, does the king see it? You're waiting for him to say it because until he acknowledges it, you can't bring it up. You're in the background going, You know, you got to be cool. And then the king goes, do y'all see what I'm seeing in there? He's got his chief people. Y'all see what I'm seeing in there? I think I see them walking around in there. Do y'all see that? Yes, king, we do. Is that okay if we tell you? Yes, we do. We do, king. They are moving. They don't seem to be bound at all. And then he said, and there's a fourth one walking around in there. It appears to be a son of the gods. And he started yelling, hey, come out there. I need to talk to y'all a minute. And nobody ever done this? Y'all sure that was seven times? Seven times, king. You sure? Yes, sir. And you're walking, come out here, boys. Now, these are teenage boys. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm human. And these stories are, God did miracles, but these are still human boys. Don't tell me there ain't part of them in there talking to each other and just going, can y'all believe this? This is unreal, give me some skin. I mean, this is crazy stuff. <laughs> Don't tell me. Y'all see the king? Yeah, he looked like he's sweating over there. I ain't sweating. You sweating? I ain't sweating. It's crazy. This is crazy. These stories are crazy. And they come walking out. (laughs) Even that would be fun, wouldn't it? Be like, come on out. I'm coming, king. Give me a second. Give me a drink here. I mean, it's just hilarious. You know, like I'm walking out. Look, I'm I'm walking. I'm walking. I would be walking a little bit, strutting a little. I mean, that. You say they couldn't have been proud. I think they're awfully proud that God Almighty spared their life. I think they're proud and they're proclaiming the name of God. They come walking out. Listen to this. Not a hair on their head was singed. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? 
their clothes did not smell like fire or smoke. Have y'all ever been to a bonfire? Y'all ever come in the house from a bonfire? Sometimes when Jane and I have been around a bonfire, we come in the house and I'll, I like take a shower and she'll come on and lay down in the bed. And I say, girl, you're going to have to shower. You're smoking and I ain't talking about, you know, I mean, you're smoking. You're going to have to go shower because it smells. They didn't even smell. Are you, you guys kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is amazing. And Nebuchadnezzar, as he always did, because on Wednesday night I showed you it was all about him for a while till Daniel interpreted his dream. Then it's all about, hey, we love God. Now he's like, but worship me, worship me. And then after these boys came out, here's what he said. I declare that the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is the God of gods. Anyone here who doesn't recognize the God of gods, I'll cut you to pieces. And so everybody all of a sudden got saved. We love God of gods. He was all over the place. He's all over the place. And Dan, Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they didn't ever change positions. They just stuck with the one true God. And what I want to do this morning is so simple. I'm going to show you the principles we learned from the boys. Now, when I wrote this all down, I got it done and I gave it to my assistant and I said to her, you know who's going to really like this sermon? Like five-year-old kids and 10-year-old kids. Because all my points rhyme. It's like reading the Dr. Seuss notes after a sermon. Here's what I mean by it. Here's what we learned from the boys. Here's the first one. When people set you up to fail, you don't need to tuck your tail. Now, let me explain that a minute. We tend to, in our society, when, when, when somebody has set us up, here's what we tend to do. I just, I might be embarrassed here. Let, let, me, let me tell you, uh, you guys have been praying for me and my family. And my daughter, Anna, who's right here with me today. So thrilled that Anna's here. I know many of you have prayed for her and prayed for us through our journey in the last few years. Thank you all for your kindness to us as a family and for your love and your grace. So you knew we were kind of going through that time. And I never told you this, but I was also going through a time where I was being um, betrayed by someone. I never made that public, never talked about it. It's over, it's done. But in the middle of all that other time, I, I never shared with you why I was really so discouraged and wanting to give up and wanting to leave the ministry and telling Jane, let's just go. Let's go, man, let's go down south and buy a little trailer and live there and plant food and eat it and never see people. Because I mean, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm just telling you the truth. Ministry would be awesome if it weren't for people. And so, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But, you know, we all are flawed. Me too. But I had someone who I really trusted and someone who um, I really poured my heart into, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, turn on me and begin to lie about me, say things that weren't true and, and greatly influence what others thought of me. It was the hardest thing I've ever been through. And I'm going through the middle of that during some challenging times. And, and I just wanted to quit. And, and I remember, I, I remember I went to see an old sage, an old sage pastor friend of mine. His name's Ralph. He's about 70 years old, maybe, maybe mid-70s actually. He's been through a lot. And I went and I sat with Pastor Ralph one day because Jane will always tell me, she will say to me, Dan, you need to go talk to Pastor Ralph because she knows he helps me. 
And I went and sat with him on this particular day. I said, Ralph, I'm ready to quit, man. He said, what's going on? So I talked about all these things, and I said, and, and, and then, Ralph, um, I'm being betrayed right now by someone I really love. They're lying about me. It's killing me. And there's nothing I can do to stop it. And he looked at me, and he took his time. You know, I, I wanted a quick answer. And Ralph's the kind of guy that we're drinking coffee and be like, really, Dan, tell me a little more about your difficult situation. You know, get a little drink and just take his time. I go, well, Ralph, what do you think? Yeah, well, Dan, yeah. it's what 80-year-olds do. You think they're doing it because they're tired and weary and stuff. They're not. They just love looking at younger people going, oh, you're sweating a little, huh? <laughs> Fun to see, you know. I sweated once, no problem. Let me get a sip of water. You know, they just don't rush. And he let me sweat a little. And then he said, um, Dan, I have a question for you. I was like, yeah, what's your question, Ralph? And he said, do you want to be like Jesus? And when he said it, I thought, what? What kind of question is that? You know I want to. I said, Ralph, what do you mean? Of course I want to be like Jesus. He goes, Dan, you aren't, you aren't hearing my question. And I'm like, what? And he goes, do you really want to be like Jesus? And I said, Yes, I do. Listen to me. He said, well, Dan, Jesus was betrayed over and over and over again. So I guess you need to go through at least one good betrayal to understand what his life would have been like. And I remember I started crying. And he said this, listen to this. He said, Dan, when you are betrayed, you have an opportunity to be more like Jesus. What an opportunity you have been given. What? I mean, it's like, <laughs> that never crossed my mind that I should be going, enjoy betrayal. I mean, it never. <laughs> hey, somebody want to betray me? Make my day. You know, I just. And I look at these three Hebrew boys who at a young age of 16, let's say, is standing in front of a powerful king having been betrayed by the very astrologers whose lives they had saved. Do it, let, me, let me try to make it practical. Is there any single parent in here today who the other parent is, is, is lying about you, telling all these falsehoods to maybe even the judge and to other family members because they want the kids? I'm going to say something here that might get me a letter in the mail, but I really don't care. If you're here and you're a parent and you're going through a divorce and you're using your children as pawns, shame on you. Shame on you. Don't do that. That's not right. There might be someone here who's got a family member who is telling your parents, maybe telling your parents false things that you aren't really doing. And you go, God, my sibling is betraying me? Oh, happens all the time. What could influence that? Well, potentially the will. Maybe this betrayal is a chance for you to be more like Jesus. We, we don't like these moments, but... Why do you like the three Hebrew boys so much? Would you have liked them as much as, oh, King, we'll worship. Oh, oh, we are so sorry. We didn't mean to do that. We're sorry. We would go, come on, man, stand up for something. And then when they do, they become our, at the age of 16, heroes. And I tell you today, 
God needs some heroes of the faith who look to him instead of themselves. The second point, I got to move through it because it's already 1231. They told me I had to be done by 1.30. Here's the second point. <laughs> Even if the odds aren't in your favor, remember God is still your savior. Hey, let, let's just be honest. If we had been standing at the moment, you were, if you were standing down here and you were watching King Nebuchadnezzar deal with the three boys right here, if you were down there and somebody said to you, hey, I'll take odds. Do you think they'll live through the furnace? Let's take a bet. 50 bucks. What do you want to say? I would have gone. I'm sorry. I'm just going to tell you. I would say, yeah, they're going down. Because we see in life, some of us feel like, yeah, I don't have a chance. There's somebody walked in here today because of the way you have been, because of what you've been through, because of your family name, because of your history, because of the way you look, because of the way you, because of something you feel like, I'm not favored. The odds aren't good for me. You're right. Unless you understand that you belong to the king of kings. When you get it, when you understand that you're God's child, your favorability just rose. You are not a loser. You are not a loser. You believe that because Satan has lied to you. You are God's child. I'm slowly looking over this audience like my buddy Ralph would have looked at me. I'm taking my time because I want somebody to hear that today. You are not a loser. You need to change your mind and understand Satan is a liar. And when you have God on your side, you got the best odds going because you will win in the long run. Stick with it. The third point, godly people stand firm even when others tend to squirm. I don't believe that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were standing by King Nebuchadnezzar going, don't, please don't do it to us, don't do it to us. No, in fact, it says that Shadrach said, but even King, you need to know, even if he doesn't save our life, we won't bow down and worship. <laughs> Man, I'm sorry. There's a part of me just wants to stand right by him and go, mm, mm. you know I mean, that's... That, these guys stood for something. Hey, Res Life family, listen to me. God needs some Christians who will stand for him. Stand up for him. Don't, don't be ashamed of the name of God Almighty. He is the Savior. He is our hope. He is our life. He is truth. He is all the good things that we know. That is God. Don't squirm. Don't squirm. Stand firm. Fourth point. When the flames of life are cooking, you don't know who might be looking. They were in the middle of the fire burning. Who was peering in? Nebuchadnezzar. And I want to say to you today, who's watching you? Some of you who are going through a great trial right now and you go, this is a killer. Who's watching you? Somebody at work might be watching you and you don't even know it. Somebody in your family might. My children have watched me. I haven't always set the best example, but even through this time of going and being betrayed, I realize my children are watching me. And someday in their life, if they get betrayed like this, I want them to be able to reflect back on, how'd dad handle that? And I hope it's like Jesus. Your moment to shine is sometimes when you're in the fire. I think that's my granddaughter saying amen. <laughs> Number five, 
People change on a dime, but God stays the same through all time. Nebuchadnezzar one day, I'm a God worshiper. The next day, worship me. Next day, worship God. Next day, worship me. Can I just say something to you? Don't go back and forth that pattern. Worship God, worship me. Just worship God all the time. I can sum this message up in two words, guys. I was preaching this in the rain, and, and these two words came to me. Preaching, I, I was preaching in the rain, and here's I can, what I preached on Wednesday night, what I'm preaching today. Let me sum the whole message up. All this talking in two words God rules. God rules. And, and even while I'm preaching in the rain the other day, I thought there'll be somebody at res, because I know people, I get it. There's somebody here who, uh, you know, you, 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 you've debated toying with God stuff, but you're here and you're kind of just on the edge. And, and your thought right now is this. Well, yeah, I mean, look, Dan, the story ended up good. The boys were spared. What if it went the other way? And then while I'm walking in the rain, I go, yeah, what? let's play that out. Let's say this story ends with the three boys are tossed in and they're incinerated immediately and they're burned. They took their ashes and they spread them out. I would tell you what we would say as Christians is, wow, those were three guys who were willing to stand even if it cost their life. A lot like Jesus. Those are three boys I admire. So watch this. Whether the story goes one way or the other, God rules. He appeared. He wins. He's done. And that to me... That to me ought to help a lot of you because some of your stories went great. Some of your stories didn't. Either way, God rules. He rules. Stick with him. You'll be fine. I think if the three Hebrew boys were standing here, they would say to y'all, it, it, well, first of all, if they were standing here in their little loincloths because the Bible said they were well-looking men built and stuff, you wouldn't notice me if they stood here in loincloths, Okay. <laughs> They would say to you, stick with him, you'll be fine. And today I leave you, Rez, with this thought, stick with him, you'll be fine. And here's how I want this message to end. As I was, I've told you several times, I was walking in the rain. I, I just felt like this is how the message is supposed to end. On Sunday, when we get together, I was preaching it on Friday, on Sunday, when we get together, when I get to the end of the message, when God in heaven looks down on America, I want him to look on Ivanrest Avenue and I want him to see about five, 8,000 people standing up, cheering to his name and giving him applause. I want him from heaven to look down and go, oh, those people at Ivanrest, they're reckon, oh, that people over there are not recognizing me today, but these people are. Because I want him to know that we're a group of people that realize he rules. And today, I'm sure glad I'm on his side. If you're here and you're not on his side, after we have all this applause, Pastor Scott's going to come up and give you a chance to do that. But before we do anything, here's how this message is going to end. We're going to praise the same God that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prayed. We, we, get, we get in on the same God worship this morning. So here's what you're going to do. I want you to stand this morning, and I want you to get a clap and a praise offering to God on the
to take a brief moment to give those of you who don't know why we have such joy and why we get so excited about the great I am and this new life that we get to experience every day. So if you would all bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're out there at the sound of my voice and your heart hasn't experienced what it's like to have new life flood into you, you don't know what it's like to know this Savior we call Jesus. And you want to experience that. You want your life to be different starting today. I'm going to count to three and I want you to raise your hand. And your new life will start today. One, you're saying, I want to experience this Jesus. I want to experience what it's like to have a fire lit inside my heart. I want to experience what it's like for my life to be full of potential, to be full of power, to be full of love and compassion, and to be loved so emphatically by a God who did everything He could do to win my heart. Two, you're saying, I repent and I turn from my old life, that all of my sin is forgiven, that all of my shame is wiped away, I have no more guilt, I have no more condemnation. All that stuff is gone and I become new. Three, that you raise your hand really high and be bold. Say, Pastor, I want to experience new life today. Thank you, back over here. Thank you. Over here. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else want new life today? Another one over here. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. All right, for those of you that raised your hand, I want you to be very bold. I want you to come right down here in front. When you come right down here in front, we're going to pray with you, and your new life is going to start today. Come on down front. Encourage them. This is a celebration. This is awesome. This is new life. Come right down front here. The Bible says that when we call on His name and confess the name of Jesus, that we experience new life, we experience salvation. The old is gone, the new has come everything of the past all of our sin and shame is completely wiped away we got everybody that's awesome all right if everyone would please pray this prayer with me all right got more coming thank you awesome encourage them as they come awesome all right we're going to say this prayer and as we say this prayer it all starts right now okay we got more? We're good. All right, we'll wait. Give him another round of applause. Come on, celebration. Awesome. All right, let's all say this prayer together. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for new life. We confess Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. Our sin is gone. Our past has been forgiven. That we have newness of life and that we have been awakened to the incredible life that you have for us. God, we thank you that we are a part of your family, a part of your kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.